Section 10 of Eugene Onegin by Alexander Pushkin, translated by Henry Spaulding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Canto the Fifth, The Fet, Part Two. Twenty-two. But she, her sister never heeding, with book in hand reclined in bed, page after page continued reading, but no reply under her maid. Although her book did not contain the bard's enthusiastic strain, nor precepts sage, nor pictures e'en, yet neither Virgil nor Racine, nor Byron, Walter Scott, nor Seneca, nor the Journal de Mode, I vouch, ever absorbed a maiden so much. Its name, my friends, was Martin Zadika, the chief of the Chaldeans wise, who dreams expound and prophesies. 23. Brought by a peddler vagabond unto their solitude one day, this monument of thought profound Tatiana purchased with a stray tome of Malvina, and but three and a half roubles down gave she. Also, to equalize the scales, she got a book of nursery tales, a grammar, likewise portrayed too, Marmontel also, tome the third. Tatiana every day conferred with Martin Zadeka. In woe she consolation thence obtained, inseparable they remained. 24. The dream left terror in its train. Not knowing its interpretation, Tanya the meaning would obtain of such a dread hallucination. Tatiana to the index flies and alphabetically tries the words bear, bridge, fur, darkness, bog, raven, snowstorm, tempest, fog, etc. But nothing showed her Martin Zadeka in aid though the foul vision promised made of a most mournful episode, and many a day thereafter laid a load of care upon the maid. 25. But lo, forth from the valleys done with purple hand Aurora leads, swift following in her wake the sun, and a grand festival proceeds. The Laranas were since sunrise o'erwhelmed with guests, by families the neighbors came, in sledge approach. Britska, Kibitka, or in a coach. Crush and confusion in the hall. Latest arrivals, salutations. Barking, young ladies' oscillations. Shouts, laughter, jamming against the wall. Bows and the scrape of many feet. Nurses who scream and babes who bleat. 26. Bringing his partner, corpulent, Fat Pustyakov drove to the door. Kvazdine, a landlord excellent, Oppressor of the wretched poor, And the Skatanines, aged pair, With all their progeny were there, Who from two years to thirty tell, Patushkov, the provincial swell, Boyanov, too, my cousin, wore his wadded coat and cap with peak, surely you know him as I speak, and Flayanov, pensioned counsellor, 
rogue and extortioner of yore, now buffoon, glutton, and a bore. 27. The family of Karlikoff came with Monsieur Truquet, a prig, who arrived lately from Tamboff, in spectacles and chestnut wig. Like a true Frenchman, couplets wrought in Tanya's praise in pouch he brought, known unto children perfectly, Revelez-vous, belle endormie. Among some ancient ballads thrust, he found them in an almanac, and the sagacious Truquet back to light had brought them from their dust, whilst he, Belnina, had the face by Bel Tatiana to replace. 28. Lo, from the nearest barrack came of old maids the divinity, and comfort of each country dame, the captain of a company. He enters. Ah, good news to-day. The military band will play. The colonel sent it. Oh, delight! So there will be a dance to-night. Girls in anticipation skip. But dinner-time comes. Two and two they hand in hand to table go. The maids beside Tatiana keep, men opposite. The cross they sign, and chattering loud sit down to dine. 29. Ceased for space all chattering. Jaws are at work. On every side plates, knives, and forks are clattering, and ringing wine-glasses are plied. But by degrees the crowd begin to raise a clamour and a din. They laugh, they argue, and they brawl, they shout, and no one lists at all. The doors swing open. Lenski makes his entrance with Onegin. Ah, at last the author, cries Mama. The guests make room, aside each takes his chair plate, knife, and fork in haste. The friends are called, and quickly placed. 30. Right opposite Tatiana placed, she, than the morning moon more pale, more timid than a doe long chased, lifts not her eyes, which swimming fail. Anew the flames of passion start within her, she is sick at heart. The two friends' compliments she hears not, and with a flood of bitter tears with effort she restrains. Well nigh the poor girl fell into a faint, but strength of mind and self-restraint prevailed at last. She in reply said something in an undertone, and at the table sat her down. 31. To tragedy, the fainting fit, and female tears hysterical, Onegin could not now submit, for long he had endured them all. Our misanthrope was full of ire, at a great feast against desire, and marking Tanya's agitation, cast down his eyes in trepidation and sulked in silent indignation. Swearing how Lenski he would rile, avenge himself in proper style. Triumph by anticipation, caricatures he now designed of all the guests within his mind. 32. Certainly not Eugene alone Tatiana's trouble might have spied, but that the eyes of every one by a rich pie were occupied. Unhappily too salt by far, and that a bottle sealed with tar appeared, Don's effervescing boast, between the blanc-mange and the roast. Behind, of glasses and array, tall, slender, like thy form designed, 
Zizi, thou mirror of my mind, Fair object of my guileless lay, Seductive cup of love, Whose flow made me so tipsy long ago. 33. From the moist cork the bottle freed With loud explosion, the bright wine hissed forth, with serious air indeed, long tortured by his lay divine, Tricote arose, and for the bard the company deep silence guard. Tanya well-nigh expired when he turned to her and discordantly intoned it, manuscript in hand. Voices and hands applaud, and she must bow in common courtesy. The poet, modest though so grand, drank to her health in the first place, then handed her the song with grace. 34. Congratulations, toasts resound, Tatiana thanks to all returned, but when Onegin's turn came round, the maiden's weary eye which yearned, her agitation and distress aroused in him some tenderness. He bowed to her, nor silence broke, but somehow there shone in his look the witching light of sympathy. I know not if his heart felt pain, or if he meant to flirt again, from habit or maliciously, but kindness from his eye had beamed, and to revive Tatiana seemed. 35. The chairs are thrust back with a roar, the crowd unto the drawing-room speeds, as bees who leave their dainty store and seek in buzzing swarms the meads. Contented and with victuals stored, neighbor by neighbor sat and snored. Matrons unto the fireplace go, maids in the corner whisper low, Behold, green tables are brought forth, and testy gamesters do engage in Boston and the game of age. Ombre, and whilst all others worth, a strong resemblance these possess, all sons of mental weariness. 36. Eight rubbers were already played, eight times the heroes of the fight change of position had essayed, when tea was brought. "'Tis my delight time to denote by dinner, tea, and supper. "'In the country we can count the time without much fuss. "'The stomach doth admonish us. "'And, by the way, I here assert that for that matter in my verse "'as many dinners I rehearse, as oft to meat and drink avert, "'as thou, great Homer, didst of yore, whom thirty centuries adore. Thirty-seven. I will with thy divinity contend with knife and fork and platter, but grant with magnanimity I'm beaten in another matter. Thy heroes, sanguinary rites, also thy rough-and-tumble fights, thy Venus and thy Jupiter, more advantageously appear than cold Onegin's oddities, the aspect of a landscape drear. Or in Istomina, my dear, and fashion's gay frivolities, but my Tatiana, on my soul, is sweeter than thy Helen fowl. 38. No one the contrary will urge, though for his Helen Menelaus again a sentry should scourge us, and like Trojan warriors slay us, though around honoured Priam's throne Troy's sages should in concert own once more, when she appeared in sight, Paris, and Menelaus right. But as to fighting, twill appear, 
For patience, reader, I must plead, A little farther please to read, And be not in advance severe. There'll be a fight, I do not lie, My word of honour given have I. 39. The tea, as I remarked, appeared, But scarce had maids their saucers ten, When in the grand salon was heard Of bassoons and of flutes the strain. His soul by crash of music fired, His tea with rum no more desired, The Paris of those country parts To Olga Petoshkova darts, To Tanya Lensky, Kerlikova, A marriageable maid matured, The poet from Tambov secured. Buyanov whist off Paustyakova, All to the grand saloon are gone, The ball in all its splendor shone. 40. I tried, when I began this tale, See the first canto, if ye will, A ball in Peter's capital, To sketch ye in Albano style. But by fantastic dreams distraught, My memory wandered wide, And sought the feet of my dear lady friends. O feet, where your path extends, I long enough deceived have erred. The perfidies I recollect Should make me much more circumspect, Reform me both in deed and word, And this fifth canto ought to be From such digressions wholly free. 41. The whirlwind of the waltz sweeps by, Undeviating and insane As giddy use hilarity. Pair after pair the race sustain. The moment for revenge, meanwhile, Espying, Eugene with a smile Approaches Olga, and the pair amid the company career. Soon the maiden on a chair he seats, Begins to talk of this and that, But when two minutes she had sat, Again the giddy waltz repeats. All are amazed, But Lenski he scarce credits What his eyes can see. 42. Hark! The mazurka! In times past, When the mazurka used to peal, all rattled into the ballroom vast, the parquet cracked beneath the heel, and jolting jarred the window frames. Tis not so now. Like gentle dames we glide along a floor of wax. However, the mazurka lacks naught of its charms original in country towns, where still it keeps its stamping, capers, and high leaps. Fashion is there immutable. Who tyrannizes us with ease? Of modern Russians the disease. 43. Boyanov, wrathful cousin mine, Unto the hero of this lay Olga and Tanya led. Malign, Onegin Olga bore away. Gliding in negligent career, He bending whispered in her ear Some madrigal not worth a rush, And pressed her hand, the crimson blush upon her cheek by adulation grew brighter still. But Lenski hath seen all, beside himself with wrath, and hot with jealous indignation, till the mazurka's close he stays, her hand for the cotillion prays. 44. She fears she cannot. Cannot? Why? She promised Eugene, or she would with great delight. O oh God on high! Heard he the truth, and thus she could. And can it be, but late a child, And now a fickle flirt and wild? 
cunning already to display, and well instructed to betray. Lenski the stroke could not sustain. At womankind he growled a curse, departed, ordered out his horse and galloped home. But pistols twain, a pair of bullets, not beside, his fate shall presently decide. End of Canto the Fifth